Welcome to Second Wind with Joyce Buford, a program focused for and about women. Joyce Buford is a certified coach who has a passion for helping women who need a second wind. It's so empowering for women to hear about other women and their accomplishments. If you're going through any of life's transitions, this program is for you. Joyce is president and founder of Joy After Divorce, a one-on-one coaching practice that helps women rebuild and redesign their lives after divorce. As a certified coach, she's had extensive training, including mentoring and training by Jack Canfield of the Chicken Soup book series. Joyce is also a member of Leadership Texas. On today's program, Joyce and her guests will help you learn how to get your second wind. Now here's our host and coach, Joyce Buford. Good morning. We're so glad that you decided to join us today. And we have an extra special guest. Uh, One of the things I like to always tell you is that, you know, as women, we do go through many transitions in our life. Uh, Sometimes they're self-imposed and sometimes it's just life that takes a turn and we have a new adjustment to work through, to settle in and be comfortable with. Well, Second Wind is where you can find resources of other opportunities, other women, inspiration of other women making this same transition. Because I don't know a woman that hasn't gone through transition. And so I think that's really good to hear other people's stories. Earlier this year, or I could say this is the year of reunions for me. And so I have been to a college reunion, and I have also been to a high school reunion. But today I'm focusing on the college reunion because it was a reunion with my sorority sisters well over 40 years ago. And one of the nicest things about going to reunions is that you reconnect with people that you knew in a younger life, Maybe you got to spend time with, maybe you didn't. But you reconnect in a different place. We're older, we're more uh, sure of ourselves, confident about ourselves. And so that was my takeaway from that weekend. But one of the fabulous people that I reconnected with was Dr. Donna Cozart. And Dr. Donna, as her clients and patients call her, is a fabulous clinical psychologist and artist and Jungian analyst in Dallas, Texas. Now, I remember Dr. Donna as being one that was very busy. She was very organized and very focused on her education. I, on the other hand, was not as focused nor as comfortable being at a really large university, such as the University of Arkansas was. I was a small town girl, and my class, graduating class, was 150 people. So putting ourselves in those situations sometimes can knock us off balance. But anyway, talking about those years, revisiting those years, and reconnecting with 
the sisters that we spent days and nights with, but yet in just a brief weekend, I reconnected with so many people in that sorority, but on a different level. It was very rewarding. So I always encourage my friends to go, think about going back to that reunion because there's some real treasures there. Let me tell you about Dr. Donna Cozart. As I said, she is a clinical psychologist, artist, and Jungian analyst in Dallas, Texas, whose search for meaning in the healing arts took her to C.G. Jung Institute in Zurich, Switzerland, where she lived and studied for six years and returned to the States in 1998. In Dr. Cozart's recently published book, PTSD and the Archetype of Job, she tells the story of a traumatized combat nurse. Her book, can be found on Amazon and Kindle. As a diplomat of the C.G. Young Institute of Zurich, Dr. Cozart is a training analyst for the Interregional Society of Jungians Analysts and the Texas Seminar, where she serves as a director of training for four years. She is the professional sponsor of the Young Society of North Texas. Dr. Cozart has a bachelor degree from Baylor University, a master's degree from Texas Women's University, and a doctorate from North Texas University, and an analytic degree from the C.G. Young Institute of Zurich. She has been in private practice since 1981. Dr. Cozart has directed a grant program at Terrell State Hospital, taught nurses, nurse interns at Baylor University College of Nursing, supervised, supervised doctoral interns for Dallas County, and worked as consultant to Green Oaks Hospital. She currently works in her full-time private practice and also consults with a group of physicians, psychologists, and investors planning to build and develop a new trauma unit in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Yes, this is a treat, getting reconnected with my friend, Dr. Donna. Welcome, doctor. How are you this morning? Thank you, Joyce. I'm I'm fine, and thank you so much for that introduction. It was really wonderful reconnecting with you as well. (laughs) It was fun. (laughs) We got to spend about two hours in the airport in Fayetteville, Arkansas. That was fun. fun. But tell me, why were you called to uh, the Young I, theory Institute in Zurich. Why? What was attractive about studying that type of practice? Well, Carl Jung was was um, one. Of, actually, I had studied many theorists um, and at North Texas when I was working mm-hmm. on my PhD, and then I was working in the field. And of all the theorists, Carl Jung's theory was the one that resonated with me the most. 
And the reason that was true was because it included the spiritual aspect of healing. And I just think that's so important. You know, even if you're not a religious person, I think the spiritual aspect of healing is a major aspect. And so I wanted to learn more about it, and so that's why I went to Zurich. Oh, that should have been very fascinating. Well, what did you actually do for those eight years? Do you studied and practiced as well? Yes. Well, actually, the first, um, oh, I guess I was actually there six years. I uh, The first five years were primarily just studying Um we had an opportunity to study with some of the greats in the field who actually, a couple of them had actually known Jung. And, you know, mm-hmm. he died in the 80s. And mm-hmm. um, um, really get to know his theory and how he worked with patients and clients. And, and we did get to see some demonstrations. and uh, But it, a lot of it was just theory. You know, he's written this huge um, library of of books and um, just volumes and uh, so there was a lot of studying and there was a lot of interacting and um, getting to know his theory and his practice then when I had finished that there was a clinic over there and um, because we had difficulty getting enough English speaking um, clients I was allowed to come back to Dallas and see clients over here and then be supervised by telephone to Zurich and also by my colleagues who had already graduated who lived in this area. Mm -hmm. So the last year uh, I got supervised both locally and um, by phone um, to Switzerland on my clients. Yes. Uh, Is there a large... Go ahead. Oh, I was just... Uh, by this time, I had already had 15 years of clinical psychology, and it was it was kind of interesting how that happened to me too. I just I felt like that the work that I was doing at the time was finished, and it was time for me to move on. So that was when I went to Zurich. Oh, yeah. Is there a large uh, group of uh, psychologists that practice the Carl Jung theory in the Dallas Fort Worth area? Mm-hmm. There's probably about 10 or 12 uh, in the area. Actually, there are fewer than them because we've lost a couple. I think there's about seven or eight, yeah. Mm-hmm. So why would... There are a would, lot of... So why would somebody come to you versus a, a, thera, a psychologist that didn't practice Jung theory? I think because of the depth, we really um, stress that we have a very depth-oriented practice that, um, unlike Freudian psychoanalysis, and we are psychoanalysts, um, Mm -hmm. we base our Freudian psychoanalysts look more on the past. You know, Freud's theory was sort of based on, you know, what's happened in your past is what forms you in present. And we certainly include that. But then we have this sort of mythopoetic aspect that looks at where are you going in the future? And it was Jung's theory that rather than libido, which is not all sexual, but 
but that kind of energy that sort of follows the pleasure principle, he believed that we were primarily motivated to become all that we were supposed to become or all of our potential, and he called that individuation. And, Good place uh, I find to that stop. Most we have to go to a break, and I don't want to okay. uh, stop your train of thought, so we revisit that when we return. Thank you. We're, you're listening okay. to Second Wind with Joyce Buford. We return with more of Second Wind with Joyce Buford after this short break. Are you looking for something more in your life or business? More success, more stability, more happiness? It's all out there waiting for you, but it doesn't just happen. You've got to go get it. Make it happen with Michelle McCullough, where motivation and strategy intersect. Michelle is a serial entrepreneur, acclaimed speaker, and the WooHoo Radio Network's resident business and success strategist. Michelle has the smart strategies and experience to help you improve your life and take your business to the next level. You've got big dreams. You've got big vision. Now it's time for you to make it happen. Are you the kind of parent who just wants their kids to live the life of their dreams? Well, grab your kids and join How to Raise a Millionaire Radio with Ann Morgan James and Jack James. It's a lively interview and call-in show, Thursday, 6 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. This dynamic mother and son team are on a mission. They want to empower kids to dream big and go after those dreams with gusto. They want to fill the world with kid entrepreneurs. Are your kids ready for success? Don't miss their fun annex, lively guests, and discussions. For more on Ann and Jack and their show, check out their website, howtoraisemillionaire.com. Then join the conversation of lively interviews and call-ins, and let's give our kids the tools and encouragements they need to build a future they can bank on, no matter what the economy throws their way. It's How to Raise a Millionaire Radio with Ann Morgan James and Jack James, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to Second Wind with Joyce Buford, a program focused for and about women. This is a show about how to attain your dreams. Now to help you create the life you want to live to its fullest, here is coach and author of Celebrating 365 Days of Gratitude, Joyce Buford. We are talking today with Dr. Donna Cozart who is a clinical psychologist, artist, and Jungian analyst in in the Dallas area. So, Donna, before we went to the break, we were kind of talking about uh, Jungian theory, I believe is what you would call it. I don't know. It could be something else. But um, have we finished our comment? Was there more that you wanted to say on that? Well, the the other thing that I wanted to say, we were talking about why someone would look for a Jungian analyst, and, yes. and it is the depth, you know, the the wanting, the, the desire to connect to the unconscious, and we use dreams and active imagination and uh, um, serendipities, those kind of things. So, uh, a bit, a large part of our work is dream work, and uh, oh. we use a symbolic interpretation of that. And mm-hmm. um, so all of that is included. But 
And, and again, with the primary focus of individuation, of helping the person become all that they have the potential to become, whatever that is for that person. Mm. Oh, I love that. You know, that's all about what yeah. I'm here to do, certainly through coaching my Exactly, clients. yeah. But mm-hmm. if they go in, if they need further depth, they may have to come see you, Dr. Donna. Um, we had okay. talked earlier while we were visiting about the trauma that some children experience in childhood that shapes their lives as they go forward. Now, before we go on, I, I really do want to talk about what you call trauma. So any mothers that could be listening would understand what that word means, because it means different things to different people. So when you say trauma in childhood, what are you talking about? Well, I, I think I'll use the uh, metaphor of a mirror. We talk about accurate mirroring for the mother and child. And I think the mother, from the very beginning, she knows um, when the child begins to become conscious enough to recognize her face, and she reflects back that child's joy, and, and she um, takes care of it when she perceives it's it's pain or discomfort, and that's what we call an accurate mirror. But I think in the case of trauma, just um, and this is also true with, with adults as well, that the environment no longer uh, reflects um, back to us or gives back to us, um, and it could be one event or a series of events, what uh-huh. we anticipate. And so, therefore, we get what we call distorted mirrors. And that causes something in the psyche which we cause, call disassociation. So what happens was, you know, that trusting sort of innocence of childhood, it's, it goes away. And instead, mm-hmm. there's sort of an adjusted, um, compensating manner of dealing with the environment and meeting expectations. That occurs, and that not only occurs on a conscious, because sometimes this is pre-verbal if we're talking about an infant, but it it Mm -hmm. also goes into the body, so the body's reactions are distorted as well. Well, even as young as an an infant, if sometimes if they're not held when they want to, when they need to be held, doesn't that affect the child in some way? Don't they oh, get a message that says, Mm-mm, I don't, you're not welcome here or something like that? That's right. It's, the environment is a dangerous place or I'm not, I'm not worthy. or So they can't trust their environment. So the environment becomes dangerous and ominous. And so, um, you know, they, they withdraw that affect a lot of times. And, and we actually see depression. And this is in children, the first 18 months are the most significant. And that's why we feel that, um, that the, these months are so important in the developing child. Now, we can look at that neurologically, Joyce, which is very interesting. You know, the right hemisphere of the brain is the part of the brain that controls the affect or the feelings. And mm-hmm. that is the most highly developed in infancy. And you can imagine that if that 
if that is blocked by these traumatic experiences or inaccurate mirroring kind of experiences that don't reflect back what the child perceives or how they see the world or how they respond to the world, whether hunger, anger, whatever, then they that aspect of the brain becomes kind of shut down. And so mm-hmm. there's actually some neurological damage that occurs. And this is really cutting edge. This is just coming out now in our neurolog- neurological studies. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, you know, because we're such a left brain um, society and, and that left brain being our sort of, that's the brain that we use for, you know, our reality perceiving and decision making and cutting things into pieces and 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 analyzing and that kind of thing so later on these individuals develop more of that left side of the brain but they mm-hmm. don't have the emotional development on the other side so we see um, an immaturity of emotional development whereas maybe their brain maybe they may be very bright and and very uh, well, uh, do very well in school, for example. Wow, but emotionally may they're weak. They may not. Yeah. Emotionally, they can't moderate their feelings. So what happens sometimes, and particularly anger is one, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of times they just can't handle anger very well, so they may act out inappropriately. I've seen, we've seen a lot of that from trauma um Are you talking about being in an angry environment or the child actually acting their anger out? Well, it, it, there's usually a precipitant, but not always. I mean, it can be a mild precipitant, but then they, you know, they may be angry with the teacher because she said no or, she, or he has to come in from the playground or whatever. They have a hard time dealing with their anger, so they then they may act it out. Oh, and go into so it's rage. actually how to express those feelings. Yes, yes. Oh, okay. Um, when a child is angry, how do you work with them? I mean, you know, most parents would, I have to say, in my generation, would give them a little swat on the <laughs> backside but I don't know that that was the correct thing to do so how would you handle a situation with an angry child that's uh, really angry about coming in off the playground angry about coming in from the yard to do lessons or or something right. like that I guess they wouldn't be doing lessons at two and three but um, that are required to come inside you know, I think, we, of course, we use time out a lot, and I think it's really hard because we have to honor our teachers and they're trying to deal with, when they have a lot of children, you know, they can't give the individual attention that is needed. But I think with these traumatized children, they really need more attention. And, of course, they're more likely to not be able to be in a normal classroom anyway. But I think just in general, what we find is, and this is with anger management in general, that the best treatment for that is um, where it is um, 
channeled into something constructive. So mm. time out can be helpful in terms of calming. And we also are using particularly, since we know that the right brain has shut down, in the traumatized individuals, we are using more techniques to connect the right and left brain. And one of those is rocking. And a lot of these traumatized children will rock themselves. And that's an unconscious way to balance the right and the left brain, and it actually is calming for these very disturbed children. Mm. And um, you've probably, you may or may not have heard of EMDR. That's um, where we use... um, eye scanning, and what we're doing is we are um, uh, the technician, this is usually done by technicians in like in a hospital setting, they are helping the child to connect the two sides of the brain and calm them. Hmm. So, you know, there's there's several techniques to help individuals. We also use that with adults, like after, particularly when they've just come out of a combat zone. Um, mm-hmm. This eye, it's eye tracking, um, mm-hmm. it's eye movement, um, desensitization, desensitization retraining. That's what EMDR is, and we also use body movement as well. So we're trying to help them connect the two sides of their brain, and that is a calming thing because, you know, we need both sides of our brain, mm-hmm. and um, so it's very interesting interesting work and it's very very new and um, it's come out of our neurological research yeah when you when we were visiting about this earlier I told you of a story where in my during my divorce the very stressful days I found myself sometimes just rolling up in a ball and rocking myself which understanding (laughs) what you're saying I'm just looking for balance in some some uh, relief exactly. from the stress that I was going That's through. That's right. So. You know, right. And it's not we uncommon. all go through stress. <laughs> not uncommon at all. It's very common. And, you know, I encourage people to use these techniques. I think yoga is a wonderful technique for connecting the two sides and learning because it's a body technique. And mm-hmm. trauma is registered in our bodies. And, of course, we're all traumatized from time to time. Right. And um, parents make mistakes, you know, but it's the, it's the repeated or the, mag- the repetition or the magnitude that makes the difference between someone who can sort of bounce back and mm-hmm. someone who is really uh, injured from the trauma. Right. Well, that's why rocking a baby works, I guess, to put that baby to sleep Absolutely. and calm it down. Yeah. Uh, that's right. We have just that's a short time oh. before we go to a break. But uh, are there other techniques listed in a book someplace? And if there are, where we might go to find those to encourage parents to use some of these techniques with their young ones. Um, So we will be back shortly and we will be talking more about some parenting, some other effects and what she's learned through her practice. We return with more of Second Wind with Joyce Buford after this short break. 
Hey kids, do you think you're creative? Do you want to be? Don't have enough time for your arts, crafts, and hobbies? Or do you just need a kick in the pants? Hi, I'm Mark Lipinski, the host of Creative Mojo with Mark Lipinski, right here on TogiNet Radio. Come on and join me every Wednesday afternoon for some creative inspiration and two of the fastest, fun-filled hours of your week. Hey, need ideas? How about a little motivation and a lot of inspiration? Join the fun on Creative Mojo with me, Mark Lipinski. I'm here live every Wednesday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern, 1 Pacific, right here on toginet.com. Now what are you waiting for? Get ready to live la bella vita with Dawn Catherine on toginet.com. Live la bella vita. If you're wanting to know all the beauty tricks of the trade and the latest fashion trends before everyone else, this is your show. If you admire celebrities' beauty and their fashion sense, this is your show. Do you love wine and want to know more about the process it takes to make wine from the vine to the bottle? This is your show. Live la bella vita. For more on the show and your host, Check out our website, LaBellaVitaCosmetico.com. This is the kind of show you can sink your teeth into. If you enjoy traveling and food and family, all with an Italian flair, then you can live La Bella Vita with your host, Dawn Catherine. Wednesday nights at midnight, 11 p.m. Central, on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Second Wind with Joyce Buford, a program focused for and about women. This is a show about how to attain your dreams. Now to help you create the life you want to live to its fullest, here is coach and author of Celebrating 365 Days of Gratitude, Joyce Buford. We are talking today with Dr. Donna Cozart, a clinical psychologist, artist, and Jungian analyst in Dallas, Texas. And when we went to break, we were talking about anger in children and how they could self-care or we could help them direct their anger and handle that right brain function. Oh, that's not a right brain function. Is it, Donna? Dr. Donna? Well, yes, emotion is a right brain function, but channeling it is a left brain function. And that's a good example of how the two hemispheres work together. And so, you know, moderating anger uh, would be a left hemisphere. And so, you know, one of the techniques we use is, is a left hemisphere is drawing. That's a very mm-hmm. good technique of channeling that anger. Um, we use um, modeling clay. Uh, and then just because children have so much energy, you know, we use a bobo, which is that clown, you know, that they can knock down and it bounces back up. And so they get a lot of, of exercise and energy expanded that way. Um, sometimes sports can be helpful for that. Um, um, we use Smurf bats, you know. That mm-hmm. Those are just little soft bats that they can hit with and things like that. Um, um, so to channel so, the anger. So it's really healthy to express your anger as long as it's done in a healthy way. Is that what you're saying? Yes, but but I'll tell you, we're moving away from this just venting anger because I think 
you know, and, and the research is sort of indicating that, that just venting anger without channeling it into something constructive is um, is not really a very helpful thing. Okay. So All we're right. so- not, and it's important to identify it, but then to move into some some constructive way of of dealing with it. Right. Right. We're channeling it. Yeah. Would be the bobo and <laughs> but right um, and for an adult, I think journaling journaling is really good. Um, yeah. Um, and uh, body exercises, yoga is really good. Um, what about some of the more just mindfulness? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well. Um, the Carl Jung's theory was you mentioned about the archetypes and the polar polarities and the individualization. Yes. What were you what were you yes. talking about there? Well, Carl Jung, um, you know, he read and studied all different cultures. He was a brilliant, brilliant individual. And um he discovered um that there were these universal themes that played out in, oh, in opera, in fairy tales, in stories, um, just and just the myths that went through all the different cultures. And so he developed this theory of archetypes, meaning that there are these sort of uh, inherited themes that we all live, we live in all the time. Yes. And those are very, very powerful. Yes, like, you know, I mean, it might be the hero, or or it might be uh, the mother, you know, or the father. And mm-hmm. that those those themes play out in our lives, and, um, and they can be very helpful to healing. And that's, you know, that's um, what I was, in, in the book that I wrote, um, that's what I was talking about in the archetype of Job. You know, most people or many people are familiar with the, the biblical story of Job, how he suffered and how he was tested by God. And uh, the woman that I worked with, who was a, a naval nurse, had been a naval nurse in Vietnam, she felt like God had abandoned her. So her issue was with God and um when I suggested that she read Job, it was like an energy just filled her. I mean, it was it was really, um, it was really to me, it was really wonderful to watch that happen because that archetype, you know, just sort of took over and she began to model her life um, according to the Book of Job and. It, it gave her what she called a roadmap, and her healing mm. really began at that point. So, you know, once we are under the influence of these archetypes, they they are very powerful. And one of the things that you mentioned was the the two poles, the bipolarity, and that was Jung's theory that that you know we we have these polarities in our in our just in our personality in our being that there there's an opposite pole to each you know if it's a positive then there's a negative you know like masculine feminine dark mm-hmm. and light side of mm-hmm. our being and mm-hmm. that um, those two polarities also play out in the archetypes 
so that they can be both healing, but they can also be destructive. Yeah. And that's one of the yeah. things in trauma that we find that um, when the individual becomes really traumatized and splits off that trusting childlike aspect of themselves, uh, it um, those those parts that it splits into become what we call complexes. And um, one of the complexes is it sort of protects the child. And um, Don Kalshit, who's done a lot of work on this, he wrote The Inner World of Trauma. That's a really wonderful book, particularly for clinicians. But parents might enjoy reading that. Um, that he, he, his theory is that one of these complexes, which we call the self, becomes self-protective of that child so that when anybody tries to get close to them. And if you've ever worked with trauma victims, you know that there's a wall that you can't get through. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that is this what he calls the self-care system. Oh, and yes. And the self-care protects them because, they're, you see, they're afraid of warm, tender feelings. They don't want you to mm -hmm. get close because it gets too close to that wound. Oh. So that's in that we have to work through, and it's a real challenge. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like a very intensive, long transition. Is that usually correct with most people to go through? Yes, it, uh, it is a long process. Yeah. It's a long process. And, you know, if it's a child, you can understand that if this has happened when they are still developing, then it takes a long time for them to develop a trust in their environment when it you know and and to trust their feelings now if it's an adult it it also takes a long time because they are they're they're so guarded and um, mm -hmm. that's why these techniques that help them to calm them are important at first at first they can't talk about it and many times it's repressed the patient mm -hmm. I worked with had repressed her trauma for 26 years. She oh my had goodness. no memory of her trauma. But her body remembered. She had every kind of illness imaginable. And she couldn't really quite understand it. So you see, there is a consciousness of mm -hmm. the trauma, even with a child. But it's not necessarily uh, a cognitive thing. Mm-hmm. Now... You did something very exciting shortly after our reunion uh, where you presented your paper in, or that was concerning this subject and this lady um, in Copenhagen, correct? That's right, I did. And, that was our uh, international convention. Mm -hmm. That is just wonderful. <laughs> I'm so excited about that. Was it, uh, did you do okay? <laughs> did, well, let me you tell you, did. I'll tell you a funny story. I'll okay. tell you a funny story. I was, I was staying in, this will just tell you the human side of it. I was staying in a bed uh -huh. and breakfast, and so I rode my bicycle into the hotel every day. Well, I'm, I was to present on Thursday. On Tuesday, I had a bicycle accident. <laughs> so no. I, I was literally, 
I was literally limping, <laughs> limping around when I did my presentation. So I was just thankful that I didn't have a more severe injury that I could, you know, do it. But um, it was I. I presented with a, a lady who was from London, who uh, talked about traumatized children uh, in boarding schools. Now they do in in um, Europe. Uh, more more parents, I think, than over here send their children to boarding schools. Yes. And a lot of times those children are abused. And mm-hmm. it was interesting that the drawings that I brought from my client and her the drawings that she brought, there were some parallels that were really interesting because a lot of times traumatized individuals who can't talk about it, they can draw it. And so oh. uh, it was a real... It was yeah they can they can't do it verbally but they can draw it sometimes or they can act it out sometimes but but uh, she was uh, very much a she was an art therapist and a union analyst so but we both had art material that we presented to the group and uh, the group was very receptive and there were a lot of good questions and and so we got a lot of good feedback at the end so I was pleased and relieved oh. as well well. Yeah. I was just, I was uh, supporting you from far away, but had I known you, I know, and I fell off that bicycle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the real oh, story this, behind some of these formal presentations that never quite gets heard. That's the real story. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, well, um, you know, when we come back, I'd like for you to be able to share. Uh, well, quickly, we have time for you to share how people could get to you. Uh, they can go on the internet. And what yes, would those? I, my um, my uh, email address. Well, actually, you can go to my website, donnacozart.com, and mm-hmm. then you can uh, email me directly. Donna Cozart at, and that's C-O-Z-O-R-T at sbcglobal.net, N-E-T. Yeah. yeah, wonderful. So people can go directly to donnagozart.com. We will be back mm-hmm. shortly from our break, and we will talk more with Donna, Dr. Donna, as you can tell I'm having trouble with that, but... Um, We return with more of Second Wind with Joyce Buford after this short break. Get the competitive edge and take your success to the next level with the Gold Medal Success Show and your host, Forrest Fisher, six-time U.S. National Gold Medalist. Tune in every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Central, 6 Pacific, here on the Rockstar Radio Network as Forrest gives you access into the mindset of true champions and helps you apply these success principles to your life and business for immediate results. Each show will feature guest athletes and business experts who have achieved tremendous success and are ready to share their stories of struggle, glory, tragedy, and triumph, revealing tips and strategies Forrest and these guest experts use to propel themselves to world-class success. Many people live their whole lives wanting more. The Gold Medal Success Show will demonstrate that anyone can have a more fulfilling and satisfying life when they put a few basic principles into play. Make every day game day. 
with the Gold Medal Success Show each Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Central here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Do you feel like when you watch a cooking show or read a food magazine that the recipes are not practical for a busy family? Do you wish you could have a conversation with someone about the best way to get dinner on the table fast after a long day at work? Are you tired of cooking dinner only to have your family turn up their nose at all of your hard work? Do you want to hear more about healthy living and finding more time to find your passion in life? We'll pull up a chair and visit with Heather Tallman, host of Around the Kitchen Sink. Thursday nights at 10 p.m. here on Tugginet Radio. Like many women, finding balance in life and time to take care of yourself is hard to do. Between managing a career and marriage and children and a busy family schedule, it's hard to maintain a sense of self. And Heather shares how she does it. Check out Heather's website, basilmama.com. Join us for food and a whole lot more on Around the Kitchen Sink with your host, Heather Tallman. Thursday nights at 10 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Second Wind with Joyce Buford, a program focused for and about women. This is a show about how to attain your dreams. Now to help you create the life you want to live to its fullest, here is coach and author of Celebrating 365 Days of Gratitude, Joyce Buford. I am so enjoying my time with Dr. Donna Cozart, who is a clinical psychologist artist and Jungian analyst in Dallas, Texas. Now, Dr. Donna, recently you published the book PTSD and the Archetype of Job. Now, that came out this year? No, it was it came out last year. Last yep. year. And you presented your paper mm-hmm. this year. In Copenhagen. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. At the National Convention, correct? The International Convention. International. We have an international convention of Jungian analysts that meets every three years, usually in some exciting place like Copenhagen. Yeah. <laughs> so that was that was our international convention. Yeah. Well what an honor to be asked to present your book. That was really It great. was. I was Yeah, I was really honored to do that. Yeah. Uh, We were talking or had not yet talked about the healing and the embodiment of the sacred. Could you explain Mm -hmm. that a little bit more? I'm so glad you asked me that, Joyce, because that the sacred, of course, is, is, uh, I mean, I think that was the the most important one of, well it is the most important thing that's one of the reasons why I studied Carl Jung because he included the sacred or the spiritual and um, uh, the the book that I wrote is is certainly about the sacred and um, the story that I, that I tell about Mary and of course that's a fictitious name but she gave me the rights to her story uh, it's all about how trauma completely shuts down the sacred aspect, that that is just obliterated by trauma. And the focus, of course, becomes on um, preventing any kind of feelings from coming up because it's so traumatic. And she was haunted by flashbacks of of her experience in um, Vietnam. And um, so she certainly had no connection with the spiritual whatever, but yet a part of her yearned for that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, we don't, it's amazing how we see the effects of war played out many, many, many years later in our lives. And um, it's just such a, just a unbelievable readjustment for our service people that go to fight these wars. Uh, far more difficult than we really realize. So, uh, oh, yeah. Um, The mental games that it plays on people is just, it's hard to fathom because we are so removed from that type of environment in many cases, um, in many cases. So, um, so she gave you permission to write her story and put it and develop this book. So that her story she wanted could be... me to write her. Yes, she wanted she to help did. other people. She did, and she was legally blind, and that was from her experience in Vietnam, also. And so, even though she could see to get around, she really had trouble. Would had difficulty writing, and she asked me to write her story. And you know, when I started writing the book, I really didn't know how the case was going to go. At the time, I thought she was really difficult. And um, and one of the things that made it really difficult was because I work a lot with dreams and the unconscious. Well, every time I would get into that area, she would start having flashbacks. So I worked what I call, it's a musical term, in a contrapuntal way. In other words, I would work with her on a conscious way, giving her activities and trying to help her have some structure in her life, which is very left brain. And then when she felt like it, you know, she would talk about some of these dreams and some of the things that were coming up. And mm-hmm. so it was, she was really a challenge to work with. And that's why Job was, was such a, a connecting energy, connecting her back to hope that she could have a spiritual life as well. Because when one has lost that spiritual connection, they are dry. They're dry. There's just, there's no, you know, it's just sort of a, everything is factual and and there's no excitement. I mean, that, that goes with it. That animation mm. is cut off trauma, the spiritual and the animation. And so um, when she connected again with that, and I think I mentioned that that's what kept her alive was trying to get back in contact with that spiritual aspect, which she had lost because she had been very spiritual in the past, and um, so Job was was sort of the connecting link for her, mm-hmm. and she um, she began to uh, realize that God had been with her, or she believed she believed in God, but that her the sacred aspect had been there all along, and but she had she was not able to see it. And so she, when she was able to reconnect that aspect of her life, she found meaning again and hope. Mm-hmm. Hope became, um, yeah. And yeah. of course, it's an individual thing. Everybody's very different. But it is so um, important that an individual reconnect with something that's transcendent that can get them past the tr- their trauma. And that's what, that that's what we call sacred. Oh, 
Okay. Um, now, the trauma that she experienced, was it combat or um, more than that? It was more than that. She was, um, she, of course, working with uh, the troops. Actually, she was stationed in the Philippines, and that's she was head of a, um, a large unit, I think a 30-bed unit, uh, and that's where they brought the, the most severely wounded soldiers after they had been wounded from Vietnam. But mm-hmm. what happened to her was she was out with a group of her um, staff, and um, she was drugged and gang-raped. Oh. And, um, course, war brings up the worst in people, yeah. Right. And she completely repressed that for 26 years, as I mentioned. But um, she had some memory of it, but she repressed it. Wow. And then sort of went into, when she she got back, she did what we call uh, flight into health, and that is a person who's in that kind of denial. They kind of do all the expected things. She married. She had two children. You know, she did all of those things, but she kept having all these physical conditions that there was no physical basis for. And this is typical uh-huh. of uh, PTSD patients. And so finally she um, went back into nursing, but not physical nursing. She went into psychiatric nursing. But then when she was put back on a physical unit one day they needed somebody and she said I can't do that and they put her back anyway and she had a complete mental breakdown and that's when um, she all of her memories came back and she started she had the full syndrome of post-traumatic stress syndrome with all the flashbacks and the horrible dreams and the inability to sleep and it was Mm. like she was PTSD I mean in PTSD TTSD, they, it's it's like they are there again, and that just is starts repeating yeah. in their lives. Yeah. Mm. Well, you know, it's so since, hard. Since the Vietnam War, we hear more about PTSD, but is it a condition that's always been with us? We just didn't have a name for it. Oh yes, it was. It was called way back in World War One, I, I believe it was called um, battle fatigue. That was, and it really, uh, it, yeah, it was only later that uh, we really developed or described in 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 the psychiatric literature post traumatic stress syndrome and really connected all the dots for that. And it also happens though in civilian life. It's not just and I wanted to make a point of that. I mean, people, of course, are traumatized. Um, there are um, many, you know, we read in the news, of course, about horrible uh, traumatic experiences. And, and one right. of the things that I want to say is about this trafficking of these young girls, you know, I think that many times they're taken out of their environments and traumatized. And so they just become numb. And mm-hmm. then they're trafficking trafficked in the sex trafficking trafficking and and that is huge here in the states it's huge and i i really want to um really encourage people to to work uh in 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 what ha- in whatever manner they can right. to help yeah get that under well control. it's that is becoming huge all over the united states we don't think it's here but it is Absolutely. here 
And uh, yeah, it is a traumatic, oh, I, it, unbelievable experience. Um, we are coming to the close of our hour, and I have been so informed about uh, the Jungian, Carl Jung's theory and enjoyed every minute of our discussion today. Um, I look forward to getting your book and reading it. And it can be found in Amazon and Kindle as well for our listeners. Uh, thank you so right. much. You can go to Dr. Amazon. Thank you, you so much, so welcome. Donna. It's been a pleasure. Very we much. look forward been a pleasure. to talking with talking more with you and in the future and hope you'll be back with us to talk about some other things about the young theory. So thank you for giving I your time it. today. <laughs> You're so welcome. And we thank you, audience, for being with us today. We look forward to talking with you next week where I will continue to being, bring you absolute fabulous guests like Dr. Con Donna Cozart. Thank you for being with us today. We hope your week is successful and beautiful and full of happiness. Thank you for joining us on today's edition of Second Wind. Join us again next week at the same time as Joyce and her guests share strategies of growth and renewal. You'll learn how to attain goals and dreams and create the life you want to live to its fullest.